0: Hello, Northeast Christian Church, and welcome to our online services. Thank you for joining us today. If you miss any part of today's service and you want to catch it again, you can do so by checking us out on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or Spotify. We also encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay up to date on everything we have going on here at the church. God bless, and enjoy the rest of the service.
1: Well, it's good to be in this, I've never been in this part of the world before. My dad was in the Navy, he's a Chief Petty Officer wherever he went to sit and uh, he was in the Navy and we moved all over but we never ended up in this part. We always are in the south where it's a, it's a little more uh, warm and humid and so uh, I, I, what a joy it is to be with you. I think you have one of the best pastors in the whole wide world and so I think he's just awesome. Pastor Paul, he was so gracious to let me put those pillows up there, and he knew, he knew I had some issues, and so he's just like, yeah, let's just go ahead and do that, and I've just got to meet his lovely bride and his wife here, and I know she's a, she's got to be a saint to put up with him, and just, and come on, somebody ought to just appreciate her today, I tell you. (laughs) Amen. Well, yes. So now I live in Springfield, Missouri. My life always been in the in the ministry. So I've been youth pastor. I've been pastor. I've been uh, custodian, whatever I need to do. I've just been involved in church work. And so I was, when Paul and I met, we were, I was a pastor in Texarkana, Texas, the town that dreaded sundown. If you've ever watched that movie, it's out there, Bigfoot and all that kind of stuff. And so we have three kids. My daughter and my bonus son live in Springdale, Arkansas, and they're pastors there at a church. They have three of our grandkids. My son and bonus daughter live in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. They're kids pastors down there, and they have two of my grandchildren. My youngest son just turned 23. Got married in June. He was living at home, and he decided he wanted to move away from his mom. and And uh, so she, she, my my wife's not happy about this. And so she she would pull everybody into her nest if, if she could and uh, so he got married and moved to uh, Springdale, Arkansas. A lot of the, the kids that age, those Gen Zers are moving to that part of Arkansas because it's really a pretty cool place there and he doesn't have any. He has, he has my grand dog and so that's what he has. So we have four, five grandkids. We have four uh, grand boys and one granddaughter. I like to call them my my four roses and a, uh, uh, my, my four thorns and a rose. That's what I like to say. And if my wife's watching right now, I should be getting a text any moment in my back pocket saying, Don't say that. They're all my grandkids that are there so i did i moved to springfield to write men's small group material then i teach for southwestern i teach for evangel I, I i i do church health stuff i i just do all i can't hold down a job anymore and so i'm here sharing god's word and so i'm just so honored to be here with you if you have your bibles i want to invite you to turn to matthew chapter 20 and I'm so thankful you're here and it's so good to meet you and be, be in, in this great state, and this great area. And if you're watching online, I'm just, I just I really hope that if you're here or you're watching online and you're searching for life's answers, I, I really believe you'll find them in God's word. And my hope, and I know your pastor's hope, is that you will encounter Jesus today, whether it's here or online, in a significant and personal way. Again, my name is Jimmy, and so I, I'm just so honored to be with you. I, I preach better if you say amen or yee or something like I would say it would be shorter, but I don't want to lie in church. So Matthew chapter 20 is, is a parable. That Jesus taught. And, 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 and when Jesus taught in parables, it, it was to reveal nothing less than the kingdom of heaven and the power of God. Parables were taught to uh, illuminate uh, God's character and the, the hard sinfulness, uh, the hardness of, of man's heart sometimes when you read the parables they drew sinners into the kingdom of god and sometimes they confused the very people that jesus was telling the parables to all too often parables would anger they would anger the listeners of jesus because what they recognized was that the that jesus wasn't speaking to them jesus was speaking about them and it kind of made them upset Now, this is a long parable, so if you have your Bible or your smart device, or if you don't uh, have it coming on the screen for us, and I'm reading from the ESV version, but I want us to read it all together. It says in verse 1, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go to the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I'll give you. Now, if you underline in your Bible, will you just underline that phrase or highlight it on your smart device? Whatever is right, I will give you. So they went going out again to this sixth hour and the ninth hour, and he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, go to the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when each of those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a Daenerys. Now when those hired first came, they thought they were going to receive more, but each of them also received a Daenerys. And upon receiving that Daenerys, they grumbled at the master of the house. And here's what they said. These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and of the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go, and I choose to give you to this last worker as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, I, I've, been, I've been reading the Bible for a lot of years now, and I've been studying the Bible, and, and this is just one of those passages of scriptures that Jesus shares with his followers that makes me go, hmm. I, I, it, it makes me just kind of say, you know, I, I just don't understand what Jesus just said. I, I, as a matter of fact, I don't even agree with this parable. Now, let me summarize it. Here's the landowner and he's got some property and he goes to hire some workers and he goes at 6 a.m. And he hires a crew to go work and he agrees upon the wages and they go. And then he goes back at 9 a.m. And he, he hires some more to go out and work. And then he goes out about noon and he hires some more to persons to work and he puts them to work. And at three o'clock he goes back and he hires some more and puts them to work. And at five o'clock he goes back to work and he puts them to puts them to work, and quitting time is probably around 6 p.m., and the day's finished, and, and the landowner says to all of these that he's hired, give me or I'm going to give you your day's wages. And so when, when the landowner begins to pass out the, the day's wages, he gives the same amount of money to everyone. He gave the same amount of money to the person that worked one hour as, he, as the person that worked all day. So the person that worked one hour got the same amount of money as a person that worked 12 hours. The person that worked three hours got the same amount of money as a person who worked nine hours. And they griped about that. And you would too, wouldn't you? I mean, and just so you know, just so if you're watching online or you're here, just so you know, I'd gripe too. And and, and I got to just tell you, when I read this parable, if I'm honest with you, this parable has always bothered me a little. I don't like this parable. What is God trying to teach us in this parable? What is, the, what is the heart behind this parable that God's teaching us? Now, I don't pretend to know everything that he's teaching us in this parable, but I do think that one of the things he's trying to, to, to show us is this, is that we don't always agree with, God, with what God does. And neither do I have to agree with what God does because he's God. And I'm not God. (laughs) Now, let's just take a, a, a straw vote right here. How many of you think it's fair that the one who worked 12 hours received the same amount of money as the one that only worked three hours? Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I don't know about you. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right, that the one that worked one hour got the same amount of money as the, as the one that got, that got all, I mean, the, that worked 12 I don't think it's right. If, if I would have been there that day, I think I would have filed a complaint, or at least I would have griped about it a little bit. Well, you know, Jimmy, I just don't think that's right. God says it is right. But I don't think it is right. Now, I, I, wonder, I wonder if we could say it this way that pure faith is believing God even when we disagree with him. Pure faith is believing God even when we disagree with him. Or maybe I can say it like this. Real faith is knowing that God is correct even when you don't believe God is correct. Now, the last time I've checked, I don't think like God and I don't think you think like God. And I don't think you think you think like God. (laughs) Isaiah 55 tells us that our thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord, for the heavens are higher than the earth, and so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Well, Jimmy, then, are you saying to me, it is right for the one who worked one hour to receive the same amount of money as the one that worked for 12 hours? My answer is, no, I don't think it's right, but I believe it's right. Jimmy, I can't see the logic in this parable that you just read to us. We read together. But I, I, but I do trust God's judgment more than my judgment. Jimmy, I just don't. This parable doesn't make sense to me. But, it, but listen, it doesn't have to make sense to us because God's God and we're not God. What we have defined or what we have done in the, in, in Christendom, in, in at least in, in the travels that I do, is we have redefined or we have a different cultural definition of faith. Most churches that I go to today, their definition of faith is this, is that God is going to my faith is that God is going to do exactly what I think God ought to do. That's their definition of faith. I've got faith, and what they mean by that is that God's going to do exactly what I think he ought to do, or that I have confidence in God when God does what I think he should do. Most of the time when I pastored, most of the time when people say to me, you know, Pastor, I've lost my faith in God, what they're really saying to me was, was that God didn't do what I thought God should do in this situation. I'm going to try this out. <laughs> God, what, what they're saying to me is that when they, say, when they came to me and said, you know, I just really have lost faith in God, what they're really saying to me is that I asked God to do something, and God didn't do what I wanted him to do and neither did, if he did it, he did not do what I wanted him to do in the way that I wanted him to do what I asked him to do. Now, just if you're here, you're watching online thinking, is, if that, that, that's not faith. And so the, the remaining portion of this of this sermon, I want to help us understand what is, what are some, what are, how do we move into this level of faith that God's asking us to move into? So the, the very, the, here, here's, here's the thing. The first level of faith is this, expecting God to do what I think God should do. It's coming up on the screen. Maybe you want to take a screenshot of it, write it down. But there there are people in our churches today that think this is what faith is, expecting God to do what I think God should do. Now, some of you are here, and you're thinking, you know, it, it, I, I know because I pastored, and I know, pastor, I know pastors all across America, and they, they hear stuff like this, whether it's the kids pastor, the youth pastor, the, the young adults pastor, the, the people will come to pastor, and they'll say stuff like, you know, Pastor Paul, I've lost faith in the young adults pastor, or uh, I've lost faith in the, in, in, the, in the youth pastor, I've lost faith in them. I had faith in them, but now I don't have faith in them. You know what they're really saying is: is I had faith in them when they until they made a decision to do something that I didn't agree with, and when they made a decision to do something I didn't agree with, I I don't I lost faith in them. Well, the truth of the matter is, you never really had faith in the youth pastor. You never really had faith in the kids pastor or the young adults pastor. See, you only believed that they were correct. Until, until they disagreed with you. The truth is, is you've never been a youth pastor. And that's why you're in here. You don't want to be a youth pastor. And the reason you're in here is you don't want to be a kids pastor. You've never had to corral kids. You've never had to, to grab a, I mean, it's, it's kind of like trying to, Herd frogs in a, in a wheelbarrow. I mean, you just get one end in the wheelbarrow and the other one, they jump, they're jumping all over the place. What you have to have faith in is that the youth pastor, or the young adults pastor, or the kids, or whatever, whomever it's with, you have to have faith that they're going to pray and seek the face of God for the direction of the ministry they're in charge of. You have to have faith that they're going to hear from God. That they're learning from other kids leaders that they're doing what they think is best in the sight of god one of the things i one of the things i do is i i I told you I, i do a church health it's always funny because most people that when i go to churches and we're trying to we believe every church has a next level potential that god wants to to take that church towards and what's amazing to me when I get leaders in a group of room, none of them, have, most of them, have never pastored a church. <laughs> so when the pastor, when pastor does something that they don't understand or they don't agree with, all of a sudden they know more about being a pastor than the pastor does. Now I can, I didn't say this when I pastored. I can say it now, but I mean, I, but what you have to have faith. You know, it's like, well, I just don't know why a pastor would do this. I don't, I don't get all this. You have to have faith that Pastor Paul prays. You have to have faith that Pastor Paul is seeking after God. You have to have faith that Pastor Paul is accountable to leadership, that he is not a lone ranger out there doing his own thing whenever he wants to, however he wants to do it. It's tot- that is totally counterculture to the American culture that we live in today our definition of faith in most american believers is that god should do what i think god should do when i think god should do it that's not faith in god that's faith in you now listen i got a i've got a strong opinion about a lot of things i've got a strong opinion about a lot of things but that doesn't make me right all the time it just it just doesn't do that and so we we that that that's the expecting God to do what I think he should do. That's, I don't know if that can really say that's faith or not, but that, I'm saying that's the lowest level. The second one that's coming on the screen is that I don't agree with God, but God will explain it to me someday, and then I'll understand it. <laughs> now, this is a little better than the first level we talked about. I agree with God until he does something I don't agree with. But this whole idea that God will explain it to me one day Here's the truth. If you're watching online or you're here in this room today, here's the truth. God may explain it to you, and then again, God may not explain it to you. God and I don't always agree on this, on this situation, but, but certainly, someday, someday, God will explain it to me. And if God explains it to me, then I'll understand that God will set an appointment time with me. And God will come down from his throne and talk to me about the situation that is going on in my life. And everything will be okay because, you know, he's gonna talk to me about it and get my approval. I mean, once he does all this stuff, then everything will be okay as long when he talks to me. Now, that's a little better, this whole thing, but it's still not pure faith. And here's where I want to land the plane this morning. Come on the screen. If you want to take a picture, write it down. Pure faith is that I don't need an explanation because God is God and I'm not. God is God and I'm not God. Now that's faith, that's pure faith, that's real faith. Listen, if I die and I do not understand why God did or did not do something, it's okay. I may not agree with God, I may not understand God, but God is God, he, God is always right, and I am not. So I've talked about these three levels. I should have, I have faith in God when God does what I think he should do. Level two, I have faith in God because I know one day God's gonna explain it to me. Number three, I have faith in God regardless of what happens because God is God. Now, here's the troubling thing to me is that our culture has has so intoxicated us that we have become the center of our universe, and now we have become the judge of God. Now, there are a lot of conversations about God. I pastored pastored for 30 years. I've heard I've heard these things. I've heard I've heard them. People will say stuff like to me, like, you know, I, I, I used to go to church and but I, I just don't agree with the God of the Bible anymore. Or the the my favorite thing, one of my favorite things that people will do, they used to come into my office with their Bible in hand and they would point out a scripture to me and they would say, well, The Bible is wrong here. Are you serious? the bible is wrong i mean how do you I, or or god's not correct in this area the bible the bible is wrong right here the bible's wrong or they'll say they'll they'll say stuff they'll, they'll read the bible and they'll they'll come in and they'll say well you know i just you know i do what i do because Because God is so legalistic. And God just, I mean, I just, I I just, and here's the question I would always ask them. Now, I know you probably don't do this, so I can talk this way, but the people I pastored did this. They would ask me, they would do stuff like this. I don't agree with the God. And God's wrong here, and God's not right here, and God's this. And so I would let them run out of words to say, and then I would look at them with this one question, please tell me when you became God. <laughs> Which is why they started going to my wife and said to me. <laughs> and I would ask them, how is it that you think you can sit on, our, on your throne and judge the one who made the heaven and the earth? See, I'm convinced the reason some people don't want anything to do with church or or they don't want anything to do with the God of the Bible is because in their mind they have convinced themselves or they think that God is wrong. And many times people have forgotten that truth faith comes with the fact that God is right regardless of what I think, regardless of how I feel, regardless of uh, of what's going on in the world around us, he's still God. Paul writes a verse in Romans 8, 28, many believers know this. We know that all things work together for good, but we kind of stop there. It says to those who love God, who love God. See, our God, our job is not to understand everything. Our job's not even to explain everything. Our job is to love God and be obedient to God. That's what our job is. Our job is to love God and be obedient to the nudges of the Holy Spirit in our life and to just follow the nudge, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and to just love on God and love his people. See, God's right regardless of how you feel. You're watching online or you're here, today, you're here this morning. God's, it doesn't matter how you feel. I mean, I don't mean that in, in a harsh way. It matters how you feel. But, but to God, God doesn't have to explain to me. He's God. So it doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't because God's God and I'm not. So when I read the Bible, I mean, I, I've got to be honest with you. I'm just going to have some therapy for the next few moments here. And, and Pastor Paul can fix all of this next week when I leave. But i, I got to tell you, there's some things I just don't get about the Bible. Maybe you understand it, but I don't get it. I really don't understand why God killed Ananias and Sapphira. Their sin in Acts was they lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, don't raise your hand. But if we gave an altar call for liars today, how many? I mean, God help us all, right? I mean, really. I mean, that 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 was that was that was it. I, I really, I don't agree with Peter getting to preach on the day of Pentecost. Are you kidding me? Peter gets to preach on Pentecost. I don't agree with that. I mean, John was the beloved. It was John who stayed with, who stood beside Mary, Jesus' mama. Peter denied Jesus three times just weeks before he died, and he, Peter gets to preach on the day of Pentecost? Call me an Uber right now. I'm telling you. I mean, in our Lord and Savior's darkest hour, Peter deserted Jesus, not John. I, don't, I think it should have been John preaching on the day of Pentecost. And while I'm at it, I don't understand. Agree, well, there, do you know there is a prostitute named Rahab and ends up in Hebrews chapter 11? Really? God puts this woman in the hall of faith chapter? Listen, I... I'm, I'm thinking. Listen, and I know most church people don't agree with that either, because because that no, most church people wouldn't say, "Come sit by me." I don't know why God made Jacob a prince and named a nation after him. Are are you serious? That lazy, sissy, conniving little boy. He named a nation. He's a deceiver. He is a, he is cooking chili while his family is out working. Come on, son. I mean everybody knows men shouldn't cook. They they should do the dishes. I'm trying to save this. I know I'm from Texas here, you know. I'm, <laughs> His dad is old and blind, and Jacob tricks him into thinking he's Esau, and he, he receives the, the blessings of God, and, and he names a nation after him. Come on, look at, look at your map in the back of your Bible. There is Israel. Guess whose name Israel was? That was Jacob. I don't agree with that at all. I do not agree with that. I think, Pastor Paul, it should have been the nation of Abraham. That's what I think. I think we ought to look at the map instead of seeing Israel. Or We ought to see the nation of Abraham. I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't understand. Why did God choose Saul to be the first king, the first king of Israel? Why why did he do that? I don't understand why God allowed one-third of your Bible, my Bible, to be written by murderers. Four elevenths of the books of your Bible, my Bible, were written by Moses, David, and Paul, and all of them were guilty of shedding innocent blood. And while I'm griping this morning, having therapy, and letting Pastor Paul fix all this when I leave next week, do you know, who is it it that God calls is the wisest man in all the world? Who is it? Solomon, are you kidding me? A man who had 700 wives and 300 substitutes. Or as one farmer said, combines. Or as a kid in kids' church said, cucumber vines. 300 concubines. He's the smartest man in the Bible? Really? I don't get that one at all. I don't understand why God called David a man after his own heart. Here's a man who was home from war when others were at battle, and he, his disobedience led him into committing adultery and commit, killing the husband of the woman with which he committed adultery. David couldn't even lead his own house well. His son, was, his own son, David's own son, was a rebellion against his father, and God calls this dude a man after my own heart. I don't know. I don't, maybe you do. I, I don't get why God didn't allow Moses into the promised land because his, he lost his temper. I mean, seriously, if we give altar call for liars and temper losers today. I don't agree with God letting Satan to do whatever he wanted to to Job. I don't understand why God turned Lot's wife into a pillar of salt simply because she turned around. I don't get why God would not allow Paul to tell you and me about the third heaven. And I don't understand why the prodigal son gets more attention in the story than the son who stayed true to his dad. Now, if you get it, that's great. But I don't get it. I don't understand a lot of things. I've been a Christian all my life. I'm 59 years old. I don't understand. I don't understand. Why my father-in-law, 28 years ago... After much prayer, he sat on this side of the church, every Sunday he would come down, the doctors diagnosed him with cancer, and the Sunday before he died of cancer on Tuesday, or died on Tuesday, the Sunday he came down to the altar and sat on the altar, and he said, Pastor, I can't, I just physically can't stay here much, I can't, I can't sit in this room and wait for the prayer time, can you pray first so I can go home and rest? It was on a Sunday morning, and by Tuesday, he was in the presence of Jesus. I don't get it. I don't understand why God would allow that to happen to my mother-in-law. I don't understand how God would allow that to happen to his three kids. I don't understand why God would have allowed that to happen to his grandkids, my the only only, uh, one of my children did he even ever meet I don't get it I don't understand why children die I don't understand why kids are being killed I don't understand why some prayers get answered and others don't get answered I don't understand why God allows some believers to walk through difficult times and not other believers there are many things that I don't get and I don't understand But here's what I've concluded. I believe in every area that I don't agree with God and I don't understand that God is right and I'm not because he's God. He's God. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online, what I have to remind myself is this. God is the creator and I am the created. And I was created for God's pleasure. I was created for God's purpose and God's plan. The Bible reminds us that God is love and all of the judgments of God are true and right. And you may not want to believe this, but whatever you don't agree with God, there's something wrong with us, not with God. God is just. God is right. God is pure. God is holy. God is love. And I can assure you there there are not many American Christians in agreement with this today. As there would have been a a few years ago because of the spirit of the age we live in today. The spirit of the age in which we live today says this. We are on the throne. The God of heaven is on trial. And we are his judge. And regardless regardless of what you think or how you feel, God is God and he always will be God. Doesn't mean I understand what God does. Doesn't mean I'll ever ever be able to explain everything that God does. But this one thing I do understand, God is God, and I'm not. So I was reading I was I I was just reflecting on my on my my father in law and him dying and spending eternity and Life cut short. I just so happened to be in my Bible reading time in Job 38. I don't like the book of Job. I just, I got to be honest with you. First of all, I don't get it all. But this, and then I was reading that and it said... It, when you read in Job thirty eight verse one, the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is it? Who who is this that darkens counsel by the words of knowledge? Dress like action like a man. Now, how many know when God mic drops something like that, like, oh no, get get yourself dressed, big boy. We're about to have a conversation. Where were you? Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, Job, if you have understanding. Who determined the measurements? Surely, Job, you know who it is. Who, who, who is it, Job, that did all this? I mean, you can read all the way down through all of this. And then in chapter 40, God says to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses him answer him. And God had to remind me that he's God and I'm not. A.W. Tozer made this statement. He said, Can we imagine the Lord God and host having to request permission of anyone or to apply for anything to a higher body? Whose position antedates that of the eternal? At whose throne would God kneel? Where is the greater unto whom which God must appeal? There's a song we used to sing in church growing up. It's a hymn. I was raised in the Pentecostal church, and here was a hymn that we, that we used to sing years ago, and it's familiar probably to many of you in this room. It was written by a man who lost his wife and lost his daughters at sea. He asked the captain when he was traveling, and when he got near the spot where his wife and daughters drowned, would you let me know? And When he got to that spot, he got up and he got out, and he begins to write the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Maybe you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, and you've you got some pretty tough questions for God. Maybe you're walking through some difficult valleys. Maybe, maybe you've had difficult things happening, and you're watching online, and you're here, and, and, and you're still here. You're, sti- you're still hanging on. You're still fighting. You say, Jimmy, you don't know what I'm going through, and you don't know all of this, and you're right, I don't, I don't. and I don't get it, and I don't get some of the things that God, God's word tells us, but you're still here, and you're still hanging on. You're still fighting and you're still trusting and you're still, you're, you're, you're still following after God. You're trying to do the very best that you know how to do. And, and maybe in your life, you're, if you're watching online or you're here and you would say, but Jimmy, there's so many unfair things that have happened to my life and, and there's so many things that have occurred in my life that I don't understand. The world would tell us, the world system would say, You have every right to put God on trial. And God is, listen at the end of the day, God sacrificed on our behalf and we should come to the place in our mind, in our spirit, in our heart. I'm not saying it's an easy decision. I'm not saying just poof, all of a sudden you just cross this line of, and all of a sudden it's going to happen that 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 you just come to this place, but somewhere we got to come to the place and at some time that God you alone are God and I am not God, but God even though I don't understand, even though I don't know the way even though I don't know why these things are happening to me I don't understand God why this stuff is happening in my life I'm still going to believe that you're God I'm still going to have faith in you I'm still going to know that you are the one in whom I trust you are the one God I choose you today God I don't want to be the judge I want you God to be my judge yes God So that man who lost his family got up there on that ship and he began to pen the words. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows
0: like sweet billows roll Whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say It is well It is well With
1: my Come on, sing that chord. It is well It is well,
0: it is well
1: with my soul. Now this lady's going to put us in the right key and get us all straightened out. The only time I'm on key is when I cross it. You're watching online or you're in this room. Pastor Paul's already said he feels the Holy Spirit in this place. Some of you've come with a heaviness or a hurt or a pain. And maybe you're here and you don't and you don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. And I know it's difficult in the culture we live in because we want God to explain to us. I don't know the pain and the pathos you're going through but God knows exactly where you are and this morning we're going to have an altar call and if you're watching online right there where you're watching and I want you to take all your pain and your hurts and your misunderstandings and I want you to hold them in your hand and I want you at whatever point the Holy Spirit releases you to just release them to him and allow the God of the heavens who stretched forth the heavens and the skies and the stars to take your pains. And I want you to give it to him. Would you stand all across this place or if you're watching online, come on as this young lady leads us into worship. You don't have to sing that song. You can sing whatever you want to. But you're here today. Come on. Will you just take all of your pains, all of your misunderstandings? Will you take all of this? And I don't know where it is, where it is in the in the song, where it is in the spirit, and you just release. Maybe you're here, maybe you're here, and you want to take this the step of just stepping out and saying, you know what? I want to use this place, this altar t- place, as a place of releasing all of this to God. So as we begin to sing... As we begin to worship him, this is a moment for you in the Holy Spirit. You're watching online. This is a moment for you in the Holy Spirit, wherever you are, in your bedroom, in the kitchen, wherever you are. Just to take and just release it and have a time where the Holy Spirit can move. And you say to God, God, I'm going to trust you. I know I'm not God. I'm going to trust you, even though I don't understand, even though I don't get it. I'm going to trust you as they sing. Maybe you want to come down here. Maybe you want to sit, stand there, sit there. Come on, I want you just to worship right now. Hallelujah,
0: Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you missed any part of this sermon or you want to catch it again, you can do so by going to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or Spotify. And I also encourage you to go to lolag.org or ne-cc.org if you want to stay up to date on everything we have going on. God bless, and we'll see you next week.